0: Welcome to the Project Shackbox Podcast. I'm Jesse Spector, the National Baseball writer for Sporting News. And this is a baseball card podcast that is not really about baseball cards. We just use the baseball cards as the jumping off point with the guest, and you can follow along with a visual guide to the cards at projectshackbox.tumblr.com and on Twitter at Project Shackbox. My guest today, the aforementioned guest, as you see from the episode title is the Senior Editor of Sports at UpRocks. He is a good internet friend of mine and someone I've had the pleasure of meeting in person as well, and he's a very nice guy in person. So I am glad to have him, very excited to have him on the show. Bill Hanstock. Bill, how you doing? Hey,
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. We've been trying to do this for a while, it seems.
0: Yeah, this is a show that takes some time to set up because it's. Uh, I have to contact... Guest, uh, you know, to ask you to be on the show. Then we have to figure out, you know, some players who you might be interested in talking about. And then I have to go find uh, find the baseball cards in my collection, which sometimes takes some time. And then there's mail, and then people are busy, and uh, yeah. So here we are.
1: It's uh, probably the only podcast I've ever been on where I I just get stuff in the mail in preparation for it.
0: That's uh, I, as, as much as I enjoy uh, actually recording the show and, and talking to people, it is a whole lot of fun to go through the baseball cards, put them in the mail, and know that somebody is going to have the feeling of, hey, cool, I got baseball cards in the mail, <laughs> Yeah, which is a, a neat thing. Um, so we, uh, we can start off with a great set of, uh, of days gone by. Uh, 1988 Donruss with the blue, red, and black tones on the borders, yeah. and Kevin Mitchell wearing what looks like a, a t-shirt, pretty much a San Francisco
1: Giants t-shirt. Yeah, these were the batting practice jerseys yeah. back in the day, and you would you would uh, I you know I didn't discover this until years and years later, but you know they would take these during spring training, and generally the guys were just all wearing the. The perforated mm-hmm. uh, batting practice jerseys uh, when they did Picture Day, but uh, the first this one looks the, like
0: it's Dodger Stadium.
1: It does, it, yeah, it's definitely Dodger <laughs> Stadium, <laughs> like one hundred percent. You can see the roof <laughs> in the background, but um, so it was probably during a spring training uh, spring training game there. But uh, the first like baseball card thing that I ever bought was a Beckett. And it had Will Clark on the cover in uh, one of those perforated uh, batting practice jerseys. Mm-hmm. But the first uh, baseball card like packs that I ever uh, bought seriously were the '88 Donruss. So like I have a special spot oh. in my heart for these. Uh, they came with the they came with the instead of the gum, which was gross, and I never ate it from the tops. So the Donruss <laughs> Donruss ones in '87, '88, '89. Possibly into ninety with a puzzle piece. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the eighty eight one was a Stan Musial puzzle. Uh, uh, that's my memory of it. I
0: know eighty seven was Clemente. Yeah,
1: eighty
0: six was Hank Aaron. That's not really helpful.
1: <laughs> Stan Musial was was one of them at one point. I want to say right. Yeah, you know, we put my dad and I put the because right, like, you know I started buying these Darvus cards and then I bought a, a booster box. You know, I bought a, a box yeah. of the the cards, and uh, eventually was able to get the whole puzzle together. My dad and I, like, wood-glued the pieces to a piece of, like, uh, construction paper or something, or cardboard, and uh, put it on the mantle for a long time, just because, you know, I like I like things, and yeah. collecting things, and and, and cluttering up my, my workspace with things. It goes back a long time.
0: That's, uh, it's an achievement to put one of those puzzles together, because there always seem to be, like, one or two of the three piece card you know pieces <laughs> yeah that you just wouldn't get,
1: yeah, I, like whenever I think about that sort of thing, do you remember the uh the the Canadian cartoon, the raccoons that used to be shown on Disney Channel?
0: I want to yes and you, but no <laughs>
1: okay well the, the it was a it was a canadian uh a cartoon just about these like friendly anthropomorphic raccoons who. Lived in the lived in this weird forest or whatever, but there was a an episode where, uh, so the antagonist of the show was uh, one one of the raccoons' best friends had a dad. I think they might have been anteaters. I'm not sure, but the dad was like a, a, a basically like a Monty Burns. Like he owned a big company and uh, he uh, he would always try and you know deprive other people of fun, um, and he set up a a line of potato chips that had puzzle pieces inside them. And if you collected all the puzzle pieces, you would get a, you would get a new bike. And one of the, 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 the main uh, boy raccoon became obsessed with buying all of, spending all of his money on these chips because he wanted to get the bike. But what the the evil man did was he withheld one of the pieces of the puzzle so that no Ooh. one could win the, the bike. So that's a, uh, where my weird broken mind goes whenever I think about that sort of thing. Okay, <laughs> it's a little Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. It sounds yeah. like it's a. It, that was a slight tangent, I
0: guess. That's fine. Uh, we've not discussed yeah. Kevin Mitchell at all. Is there anything? Yeah. <laughs> does, does he bring any uh, any thoughts to your mind?
1: Yeah. So my my first year of really like actively being a baseball fan was probably eighty six, and because uh, oh. you know. I was about seven years old. My my grandmother uh was a huge Giants fan going all the way back to uh to the days of the New York Giants and she's the one who taught me to be a Giants fan, taught me how to root. Uh and so the first uh you know, the first player I ever fought, fell in love with was Will Clark, and we'll get to him in a minute, but uh Kevin Mitchell I remember, you know, he came in that that amazing uh uh eighty eight, eighty nine run. Um and After the '89 season, where he won the MVP, uh, just you know, we we all really liked Kevin Mitchell in our household. And uh, my sister was in high school at the time, and uh, she had a project where she had to write to someone that she looked up to. So she wrote to Kevin Mitchell, and he wrote back to her, and uh, he he wrote a very nice letter back to her, and revealed that he had recently learned to read and write not too long before he she received she uh, wrote to him um and uh we i don't know if you remember like i think i don't know if it was in Beckett or or whatever but they for a time some company had like a a picture of your favorite like baseball player on the baseball like their 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 face like their their head and neck like a bust yeah, I, uh, I
0: submitted a drawing to that that was not used because I'm not good at drawing. Never was. Nice. Yeah, still, still I'm not.
1: Well, she, my sister had a Kevin Mitchell one, and I had a Will Clark one. So cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, and Kevin Mitchell. Uh, what I always think of him, at least in you know, his Giants tenure, is yeah. the one-handed catch in '89. Which yeah, felt like he won the MVP because he, like, as an eight-year-old at least, it felt like he won the MVP because he made the most awesome catch anybody had ever seen.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was really happy for him, but, uh, like, that was also Will Clark's, like, best season ever, and I think they finished, like, one and two in the MVP voting or something like that. Like, Will Clark had a lot of MVP consideration, but, like, Mitchell swatted more dingers, so he won the MVP, and uh, and I was like, well, you know, Will Clark will get his chance sometime. But then that that ended up being Will Clark's best season. So, well,
0: let's let's skip ahead in in the stack of cards that I say then to sure. to Will Clark. Okay, uh, it's '93 Upper Deck Triple Crown Contender. So this is four years later, and he's still being thought of as you know that kind of guy, Triple Crown Contender, MVP candidate. Uh, that that type of player obviously
1: didn't happen for him, but uh this is yeah. a sweet ass card I never yeah. somehow i never I never had this card and, and I'm very very happy that you sent this to me this is really nice
0: cool it was uh, a, a little subset that they did or I guess a little insert set that upper deck hmm. had in ninety three I like that ninety three upper deck they did a lot of nice things that year yeah for sure but yeah, Will Clark. Not just a one-dimensional slugger. Clark owns a combination of power and average that makes him one of the most likely candidates for a triple
1: crown. <laughs> uh, didn't didn't quite work out that way. He yeah he was like, you know he had power, but he was he was such a good like contact hitter, yeah. and the the line on him was always that he had such good eyesight, and that's what that's one of the reasons why he was so great at just. Hitting everything, um, and it's just he—he he has like probably the, like the prototypical like baseball player body, and just the most beautiful swing that anyone has ever had.
0: Yeah, you can even tell from this card just like the follow through that he's got. Yeah, just looks so good.
1: It's terrific, and and no one ever rocked the SF uh, road jersey like Will Clark. Like, yeah, that's just like when I think of baseball, like he's my favorite player of all time. Uh, I, for, for years and years in my room, like probably well beyond the point where I should have taken it down, I had the, 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 one of the best posters of all time, the willpower poster where he's knocking the cover off the ball. Nice. One of those, uh, I don't remember the, the brothers that made all the bombastic posters, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, I do. I just, I remember the Starline posters. Yeah. But I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, the name slips my mind. Um, but yeah, that, that SF jersey, I'm glad that they've brought that back as Me a too. road alternate, because that's, yeah. a, that's a crisp look. I also liked the Padres in, in the late 80s, early 90s, had the a very similar road jersey that was the SD on the chest sure. that way, with the, the brown pinstripes, which I yeah. thought were very cool. Yeah. Big fan of that, so. I and mean, was Wooklark just your guy because he was, I guess you got into a it little, a little bit, but I mean, what what made it the connection there for you as, as a kid?
1: I, um, I You know, I, I honestly don't know, but I think I just, I liked his attitude. I liked the fact that he always had an eye black and his nickname was The Thrill. I mean, he had the same name as me, so that might have had something to do with it. Uh, the first season that I watched, uh, he actually had a mustache. Uh, and I liked that, and then he shaved it off, and I was like, "Oh, he had a mustache." And but then I, I just kept liking him. Yeah, once you're, um,
0: once you're in, you're in. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he he was, you know, he was the best player on the Giants, and the Giants were my team. So you know, you sort of just fall into that. You fall into that trope, you know, like Buster Posey is probably most people's favorite Giants player, you know, yeah. just because he's the guy, and Clark's like. Clark's eyes were like the logo of the Giants for an entire season, and their slogan was "I've got a giant attitude." Or it could also be could also be said "I've got a giant attitude."
0: Hmm, it's tricky to figure out how you would parse that. I wonder if they said it in the commercials or
1: anything. No, they did. Uh, this, I think they I think they emphasized attitude honestly I, I can't remember i've got a giant attitude there you go i've got a giant attitude works either <laughs> yeah. way yeah for sure but he was just the coolest and uh you know he was a, a bit of a red ass but not in the not in the sort of like i want to fight all the time situation but you know like i, I was uh i liked uh, first base because you know i liked that they had a cool mitt And it just, you know, everything about it. When I was learning to be a Giants fan, when I was learning to be a baseball fan as a child, like, just everything about Will Clark was just aesthetically pleasing to me. Uh, Combined with the fact that he was, like, one of the very best players in baseball, like, what's not to like?
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, knowing you now, I think that you might not have liked him as much. Just because he's... Seems to be on that respect the game kind of spectrum and Yeah. You know, a, sort of an anti bat flip yeah, kind of dude. Which you yeah. know, yeah, fine. And and you don't pick up on that as a kid, I don't think.
1: Also like it was just a different era and oh, yeah. like baseball players were different and everything was different then, so Yeah. I also like I mean, I liked Jeffrey Leonard too, so Sure, one flap down. Yeah
0: well we can uh we can move on here to a, a card that is a bit of almost a historical anachronism it's uh it's Walt Weiss's 94 tops card and he's playing on the Marlins in their first year he's tagging out Steve Finley and it it's just weird to think of now i guess you know because of interleague play the Marlins certainly can play the Astros but now the the Astros are an American League team the Marlins are a National League team the existence of the Marlins at the same time as the r- orange striped uh, Astros jerseys—it's not the orange striped, but it's the road version of that they wore, you know, late '80s, early '90s, but right before they switched to that big Astros across the front with the giant star. It doesn't uh, doesn't all fit together, but I'm I'm guessing that's not why you mentioned Walt Weiss as one of your favorites.
1: No, this is this is strange though that it's like. Maybe it's got to be like one of the very last years, the tequila Sunrise jersey, yeah. like combined with that weird like teal uh, year of the the Marlins with the vest. Yeah, because also
0: think in '94, I think the Astros were wearing the sort of Bagwell era uniform. Yeah, they Bagwell had to was have, the MVP. Uh,
1: yeah, said to have been from the prior season. I mean, obviously it was because yeah. baseball cars work. Yes. But, uh, I think I'm, pr- I'm almost positive that 93 was the last year that I seriously bought trading cards, so this is, like, right after, and I'm enjoying this, like, Tops where there's, like, a, a second photo on the back.
0: Yeah, they got uh, into that. Kind yeah. of following the lead of the Upper Decks.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Walt Weiss uh, is because, you know, growing up in Northern California, I was we were Giants fans, but also, you know, you respected and perhaps liked the a's as well i uh i also had a bash brothers poster because uh the bash brothers were a pretty inescapable thing um and you know the 89 world series and all that uh so Walt Weiss was the first baseball player i ever got to meet because our local uh supermarket in salinas was uh star market and they had uh, a affiliated card shop that i think it was called just called star cards but uh one day they uh, they had a, a signing and they were like rookie of the year Walt Weiss is going to go uh, sign cards and so we all got up early one morning and it, he it, we stood and waited in in a light rain as uh, as he sat at a, a card table set up uh, behind the Star Market and uh, waited in line and he signed uh, an eight by ten for me and you know that was my first encounter with like. That was my, not only the first baseball player I met, but it was like my first encounter with like anyone that I knew who had any sort of like notoriety, like anyone that I had seen on TV, anyone who had a, a level of celebrity at all, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, just a, a nice memory. I think I'm, I'm almost positive I still have that 8 by 10 somewhere.
0: That's cool. Yeah, And the, and the Bash Brothers were inescapable.
1: Oh for sure. Yeah, they they were they were yeah. bigger than baseball even I would say.
0: Oh yeah. And and I was at that time on a my T-ball team was the A's. <laughs> and I... <laughs> yeah, we certainly did the uh did the bash constantly, which, you know, playing T-ball, that's that's going to happen <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Very good. So that was uh that brings back good memories for me too. All right. Uh well, we can we can go back in time a little bit to a, a different you know, signature uniform. We talked, you know, Teal Marlins, Tequila Sunrise Astros, the Pirate Pillbox here seen on Rick Rushall on his 85 mm-hmm. Tops Traded. Looking yes, looking real confused about
1: where he is. <laughs> yeah, all, you know, this, uh, these 85 cards around that era, like most people look like lightly confused at all times.
0: There's a, a lot of cocaine going around at the time, so that probably <laughs> may. I, and I'm not saying that Rick Rushel did or did not, but you know, certainly if you're around a lot of cokeheads, you might look confused too. Yeah, especially in Pittsburgh at that time. That was uh, that was Coke Central with the drug trials and everything. The <laughs> yes. the mascot was dealing coke.
1: <laughs> the little, the bird was out there dealing, or at the time they had the just the guy dressed as a pirate. You no, know, right? it was
0: it was the parrot. The parrot oh, parrot like, was even back then? The Parrot was part of the drug
1: trials, yeah. How oh, nice. <laughs> and they still let him back into baseball, that's nice.
0: Yeah, good for him.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, Russell, of course, another giant. Um, yeah. After he wrapped up with the Cubs, jeez, his career went forever. <laughs> uh, 72, according to the back of this card, starting yeah. with the Cubs, 21 games. Uh, then, you know a year on the Yankees, then a year on the disabled list of the Yankees and then onto the Cubs and then with the Pirates and then onto the Giants. And uh, yeah, Russell, you know, not only, not just a great pitcher, but Russell and Don Robinson, who were both in the Giants rotation were rusher, uh There were pitchers that could Jimmy Jack one right out of there. Yeah. And Don, Don, the caveman Robinson, of course, very proficient in, uh, in, in hit, swatting some dingers a time or two. So, uh, you know, when you're a kid and and you learn that pitchers can't hit well and then you learn that a pitcher hitting a home run is very rare and then you learn that there there are these two pitchers on your team that, you know, could threaten to just hit the ball right out of there. There there you go. And 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 growing up pre-internet, you sort of learn things like from Beckett, and from just the zeitgeist, and largely from baseball cards. So if you see someone who gets the Diamond King treatment, and I, I, I'm pretty sure that in '88 that first set of Donruss that I was buying, Rick Rushel was the guy, the Diamond King for the Giants. So
0: let's see, I'll look that up. <laughs> that's that's uh that's rich. and now those guys are getting all their uh, their Giants records. Home run records broken. Yes. Rude, Madison Bumgarner. No respect for the <laughs> the history of Rick Rushel and Don Robinson. I I ain't mad at it. It's a lot <laughs> of fun to watch. It's it's amazing because we yeah. I'm I'm so pro DH because it's silly that that we're you know watching pitchers hit all the time and yet at the same time Bumgarner does his thing and then at the opposite end of the spectrum like. I wouldn't trade Bartolo Colon's home run for anything. Like that was just so great. And yeah, but it's 99% of the time, a complete waste of time to have pitchers doing anything at the plate.
1: Yeah. I just, you know, if they could somehow make that, that happen, put him in the, put Bumgarner in the, in the the, the home run derby, that would be really something else.
0: Just have a pitcher home-runner with him and (laughs) Arietta. Yes. Get Bartolo in there,
1: too. uh, Oh, get get Mike Hampton out of retirement.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Bring back Doc Gooden, too. He could mash.
1: (laughs) Mike Hampton's just one of those guys where it's like, oh, my God, so many home runs, and he's so good, and then, like, you just... You know, baseball's cruel. You just fall off one day, and then (laughs) you're gone forever.
0: Or you're a guy with a big looping curveball who decides to sign a giant contract with the Rockies.
1: Yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, giant contract.
0: Yeah. Well, he's, he certainly got that going for him. And, you know, the school system in Denver, I hope, was well worth it. So. <laughs> uh, Rick Russell was the 1989 Giants Diamond King. Ah, one year off. I don't know who it was in 88.
1: It was probably, uh, probably well Mitchell was probably in 90 uh i don't know i can't tell you i know chili davis oh no he might have been with the angels when he got his diamond king treatment yeah um,
0: not really uh, not really seen it on a quick search of 1988 diamond king giant google is uh is messing with me here <laughs> it's all good so yeah so we can uh you can keep going here with uh, another another giant wearing the SF. Uh, he, seen here on his 92 Donruss, and I have no idea who the Diamond King was, but I'm pretty sure it was not Darren Lewis. <laughs> seen here, apparently, with no idea whatsoever what he's supposed to do with a
1: baseball bat or how this, to run or... This is one of the most mind bot This is a Leaf card. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, oh, sorry, it's a Donruss. It's a Donruss, uh, yeah.
0: Donruss and Leaf being the same thing, right. pretty much. Although, uh,
1: yeah. I don't, like, I, this set doesn't look familiar to me at all, but it's definitely, like, a year when I probably was still collecting them, so this is very strange. Uh, but, yeah, this is the most mind-boggling selection of a photo, because he's either, like bailing out uh the 1988 diamond king was will clark uh yes he's either royce clayton uh sorry darren lewis here is either bailing out from almost getting hit by a pitch that he was trying to bunt at or he had he has just successfully bunted at a pitch above his head
0: or he popped up the bunt and he's just mad at himself
1: yeah, he might have just hit a pop-up and he's a, he's mid <laughs> he's just tossing his bat down in disgust. But very, very strange selection. But, like, you see on the back of the card there, like, this was his second, like, full season in the majors. So he was probably, you know, not a whole lot of action shots to choose from regarding Darren Joel Lewis from Berkeley. Hey, look at that. Yeah.
0: It looks like here at, at Shea Stadium, too, where they took a lot of, of shots.
1: <laughs> well, no, that's Now, I wouldn't have been able to pinpoint that just based on this bar of dugout that's happening in the background. But, yeah,
0: it, it's possible that it's not, but that, to me, is always pretty distinctive. And, it, and the dugout itself looks kind of like the... It's very dark in the background, but <laughs> this was always a really stupid talent that I had being able to identify the ballparks in 1980s and 90s <laughs> baseball cards.
1: Well, it's very impressive. Uh, just while I've got the Google image search open from 1988 Donner's Diamond Kings, Yeah, the Reds' Diamond King that year was Cal Daniels. And my complete 100% extent of knowledge about Cal Daniels is that he was the Reds' Diamond King that year. Like, I know absolutely zero things or information about this gentleman um (laughs) i imagine that they
0: made him the diamond king because they had already done eric davis recently like they never made anybody (laughs) the diamond king for their team two years in a row right so i'm guessing that like eric davis had been done barry larkin wasn't really at his peak yet and Cal Daniels, I think, like had a nice year or two because I, I remember, and that's like when I was kind of really starting to follow baseball on on more of a a level where I was really paying attention and sort of getting it and being able to like you know pour over the newspapers and stuff like that. Cal Daniels was he was legit for a year or two.
1: Mm. I'm sure he was. I just I don't know anything about this person.
0: It's also possible that I my opinion of Cal Daniels is influenced by the fact by the that Diamond he King. was a Diamond King and I would have gotten yeah. that card and been like, whoa, Cal Daniels, he must be you, pretty good.
1: Do you remember who the Mets' Diamond King was that year? 88? I think the 88 was Daryl. It was not. It was Ron Darling. Oh. Who's just as dreamy on his Diamond King card as in real life.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's a fine-looking fella. <laughs> uh,
1: Darren Lewis um, was, uh, you know, the center fielder for the Giants for a good couple years there, like when they were really tearing it up. You know, that '93 season, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and for for a long time, like he had a, a, a record going of the most uh, most games in a row without an error. Like he kept his. fielding percentage, like, for several years, several seasons in a row upon starting his career. That's pretty cool.
0: I feel like he's also kind of weirdly analogous to Darren Bragg, who's a completely different human being, and played mostly in the American League, but and batted left-handed, so not right-handed like Darren Lewis, but they're both named Darren, both... Kind of speedy outfielders who fielded quite well.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was uh, like in my mind because you know I, I followed the Giants really heavily, and then like in in sort of high school and college, I fell out of following baseball for a little while. Um, I think, think as a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like in my mind, he's like the proto like him and Brett Butler like the prototypical leadoff hitters like got a little pop. Fast, great fielders. Yeah, and and that has
0: that's changed a little bit. You don't really need necessarily that speed anymore. Like if Darren Lewis was playing now, he'd probably be hitting eighth or ninth most of the time.
1: Yeah, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Although Brett Butler would be like Brett Butler was a crazy good on base guy.
1: Yeah, so and you know swiped a lot of them bags.
0: He sure did.
1: Do you think that if Ricky Henderson hadn't been around, Brett Butler would be a little bit more highly acclaimed in retrospect, or do you think he was exactly received exactly the adulation he deserves?
0: You know, you get the the Ricky. If if Ricky hadn't been around, Tim Raines would have been more appreciated. I've never thought of it for Brett Butler, but
1: <laughs> so he's probably exactly rated exactly correctly. No, I think that
0: you know, like Ricky
1: breaks the curve.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah, like anybody who was doing similar things in that era, like Brett Butler had none of the power that Ricky had, like, and wasn't going to swipe as many bags, wasn't going to do nearly the
1: same stuff. Brett Butler's most powerful season apparently was nine dingers in 87.
0: The year of the dinger.
1: (laughs) Finished 17th in the MVP voting in both 88 and 89. Not bad. Seventh in MVP voting in ninety one. When he led the la- when he led the league in games, played attempt uh, uh plate appearances, runs, caught stealing, and walks. Not bad. Not bad. Seven forty four yeah. OPS, four oh one on base.
0: Yeah, he was an on base dude. Just like, a monster. Yeah, no, I think he probably probably did suffer. You know, it probably goes down the line. Like, if you take Ricky out of the equation, everybody else is going to look better by comparison. Because everybody looks worse by comparison to Ricky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll give that. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I I think you're right. You're you're onto something. Like, playing in, in the shadow of a giant doesn't just affect the next guy up. Right. It affects everybody. Like, think about, you know... The Oklahoma City Thunder this year, a good enough team to win the NBA championship a lot of years lost to the team that lost to the champion
1: yeah so in your mind and, and you know this is like this is a pretty you know standard question in your mind so if your team gets knocked out before if your team gets knocked out before the, the championship round mm-hmm. would you rather the team that beat them? Win or the team that beat them lose. Like my my wife and I have different differing uh, ideologies when it comes to those.
0: I think that depends on the situation. Oh yeah, like two thousand four. You know, I I grew up in New York, fan both the Mets and the Yankees, and have gradually just kind of uh, become less of a fan of any particular baseball team. I, I mostly now I would describe myself currently as an Expos fan. <laughs> yes. Haven't lost a game in twelve years. It's great. Um, but oh four, yeah, you know, the Yankees lose to the Red Sox, blow the three O lead for the first time in, you know, the history of baseball. Um my girlfriend then, my wife now, is from Massachusetts and I wanted nothing more than for the Red Sox to lose in the World Series after they had beaten the Yankees. And, of course, they then swept the Cardinals. (laughs) Um, Whereas, try to think of an example on on a different... Yeah, it it depends who the team is that beats you.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, because, like, if the the Cardinals beat the Giants, I'm not going to start rooting for the Cardinals. yeah.
0: I, but but like there's
1: there's something to be said of like well at least if my team didn't win they got beat by the best team, whereas whereas my wife's uh, line of thinking is like I want whoever beat my team to be crushed. Yeah, f those guys. Right.
0: Yeah. No, I think like you know think back to, I guess, uh, '90s hockey or something like whatever team beat the Rangers, I might want, might have wanted to see them go on to win the cup. Um, but yeah, no, and I, I never, like, the Bulls ruined things for the Knicks all those years, and I hated the Bulls for that, and I never wanted them to win anything. And they, like, I rooted for the Bulls the first time because I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, the Lakers have won a whole lot, and it would be cool to see Michael Jordan win a championship. And the Knicks weren't really good in '91 yet. They they didn't start to get good and get their dreams crushed by the Bulls for another year or two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I definitely then started holding it against the Bulls and wanted nothing more than for them to lose every time they went. And of course, they went to six finals with Jordan and won every single one of them. And, <laughs>
1: ugh.
0: Yeah, so I was rooting for. I was. I'm. I'm that bitter that I was rooting for the Warriors in these finals. Just to say, knock off the Bulls at like that seventy-two win Bulls team. Their regular season record gone, and yeah. you know Warriors win the ch- title unquestionably better. Um, didn't happen yeah. that way, and I'm I was happy with that because it meant that Cleveland finally won something. It was a no lose <laughs> situation for me, the person who has interests that are completely devoid of anything. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that worked well for me.
1: And, <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs> and the Warriors won last year. I mean, that, you know, in the one-year span, they won 73 games, and they won the title. So that's something, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: happy for them. It's been a been big times in the Bay Area. The, the Warriors winning for, like, the first time in forever. The Giants winning for the first time, and then winning three times.
1: Yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah, it's been, uh, sharks. Sharks made their first ever Stanley sharks Cup finals. Yeah.
0: yeah, Niners. Uh, the Niners still from... exist. Yeah,
1: good, good for them. They made it to the. They made it to the Super Bowl against the Saints. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. It was in New Orleans. Yeah. That's how I got confused. Yeah, against the events they lost.
0: The Superdome, where the Saints of football play. <laughs> New Orleans. All right, uh, Jose Uribe is, is the next guy. Here. I just make no segue attempt whatsoever.
1: Uh, uh, Jose Uribe... Thanks, uh, Jose Uribe. Yeah, rest in peace, Jose. Okay. Um, this is a 1991 uh, Tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly the year... The last year they used the shitty card stock. And then okay. they went to Glossy the next year. Yeah. Uh, I like this blurb on the back of this card where it says... Jose played left field as youth in Dominican Republic just not even a full like they couldn't even squeeze in that A as a youth yeah just and left field one word left field That's,
0: I'm not sure about the top style guide
1: yeah it's uh, it's probably very uh, all over the place just a bunch of like boozehound dudes just like whatever <laughs> Just crotchety old typesetters and <laughs> copy editors, uh, but uh, Jose Rebe was the first like player-specific meme or thing that I I was ever exposed to in baseball. Uh, for I mean, for a very very long time, certainly the only giant who had his own thing going on, where the the crowd would go, ooh Ribey, ooh Ribey. It was very fun. Huh. Uh, yeah. It was uh good good times at the stick when Uribe was out there and up to bat. Uh but you know, just a just a stalwart at shortstop for my entire youth, you know, holding down the, the middle infield with Robbie Thompson, who's a great awesome dude and, and by all accounts and just was such a such a great guy at the Keystone, you know, I would just watch these guys turn so many double plays and Yeah.
0: Looks looks like he's turning the deuce here on uh, making the pivot <laughs> on Ryan Sandberg.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he—I uh, believe he died in a car accident, or was it a disease? It's one of the two, I think.
0: I want to say car accident. Yeah, that's easy to look
1: up. <laughs> this okay. is the podcast where we Google things. It sure is. Uh, uh, he was killed <laughs> in a car crash in Dominican Republic. Is I that like also those. where... What's that?
0: Uh, his Wikipedia page has a section entitled, quote, The Ultimate Player to Be Named Later, unquote. Ha! Great. That's <laughs> perfect. It says, In February 1985, Uribe, David Green, Dave Lapointe, and Gary Racic were dealt to the San Francisco Giants for Jack Clark between the mm-hmm. time of the initial trade and his delivery, <laughs> as if he was FedEx to San <laughs> Just Francisco. <a> <laughs> He changed his name from José González Uribe, Uribe is his mother's maiden name, González is his father's name, see Spanish naming customs, to just José Uribe, because, as he put it, there are too many Gonzálezes in baseball. (laughs) Thus, he was humorously referred to as the player to be named later, and sometimes the ultimate player to be named later, a quote attributed to Coach Rocky Bridges, which is also a great
1: name. That's a real good name. (laughs) That whole thing is delightful. Yeah. I Thanks like Jose Wikipedia
0: even more now than I did, and I already liked him play I also
1: also what's great is if you click on Rocky Bridges's name, yeah, the picture on his Wikipedia page is like a baseball player like in the midst of coming to kick your ass.
0: Yeah, he, he's got like almost a defensive end pose as a baseball <laughs> player, which is yep. amazing. Also, amazing the. Places that Rocky Bridges born in Refugio, Texas, in 1927, and then died Portland. <laughs> yeah, just last year, lived to 87. Wow. That's uh, it's nice. And he had a you know, sweet 11 year career in the majors. You go, Rocky Bridges.
1: And then he was a a two time third base coach for the Angels and. Spent one year as third base coach in San Francisco Giants, where he lent himself to Jose Uribe's legacy.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Alright. Rocky Bridges. Well. Uh, we're learning
1: all sorts of things today.
0: We sure are, and, and isn't that the, the joy of what we're doing here? <laughs> yes. And that's, it's fun. It's baseball. There's always, there's always something you didn't know, and we recently learned something we didn't know about the next guy. Juan Uribe.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: learned that he plays without a cup
1: because <laughs> his genitals are too enormous yes. to fit in the standard size uh, groin protector. It's a, most... it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. It's probably a, one of those happy problems, like a good problem to have. And he's an
0: amazing human being as it is, and that just kind of adds to the wonderfully eclectic legend that is Juan Uribe being just such a delight.
1: Yeah, Juan Uribe is one of the most delightful people to watch on a baseball field and one of the most uh, interesting people probably off the baseball field. One of my few times that I've ever been in a baseball dugout, or sorry, baseball clubhouse uh, following a game. I I was very transfixed by Juan Uribe's uh, street clothes. They're amazing. Very, very wonderful style. He's a vivid uh, dresser. (laughs) But, you know, of course, his heroics with the Giants uh, and his jazz hands will always have a very special place in my heart. And I also was in attendance when he hit his series-clinching home run against the Braves at Dodger Stadium for the Dodgers. So... Uh, he has given myself a lot of happy memories, and he's given my wife a very happy memory because my wife is a Dodgers fan. Yeah,
0: and, and you're a Giants fan, but don't despise
1: the Dodgers, which is that's right, a rarity. Right, that's, that's part of what uh, my grandmother taught me when she taught me how to re- root for baseball. Was uh, you can hate the Dodgers when the Giants are playing the Dodgers, but if she was one of those people that like rooted for the, the league. Uh, in in the in the postseason in the World Series. So if it was a National League team, she would root for them in the World Series because she liked the National League. She thought the American League was dumb. Um, so she spent a lot of years in the '80s rooting for the Dodgers in the World Series, and she was a big fan of Oral Hershiser. and uh, And that just taught me that it's okay to 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 not hate the Dodgers just for being the Dodgers, and that it's totally okay to like Dodgers players. So. That has served me well in my marriage and in my fandom <laughs> and uh I'm happy with uh, I'm happy with the way that I root, even though though it's very strange to some people.
0: Yeah, no, you you've written about it and I, I appreciated it, especially as I've grown, uh, you know, partly because of partly because of the job, but also partly because of being married to a Red Sox fan, that I just I don't have I don't have that hate in my heart anymore for really pretty much any team mm-hmm. uh, the exceptions being newcastle united and princeton university and the mexican national soccer team they can all just you know go rot but that's <laughs> that's pretty much it and i think that you know part of the job that the where, where it's the job related is like as a kid and teenager and whatever like i could not stand the new jersey devils just loathe them despise them they were ruining hockey so far as concerned. i concerned it was concerned with the neutral zone trap and they were winning cups and it was just uh and then like and and martin Verdure, i could stand the least of all <laughs> and then i become a hockey writer and i find out that like Marty martin is just one of the most fun and interesting dudes to talk to in all of sports and we'll just Mm -hmm. talk for half an hour off of three questions and how did i not like this guy it's yeah it's just like oh yeah right these are all people and yeah some teams (laughs) have annoying fans and yeah certainly you you then are influenced by that at times and you know i think that we can all guess which which teams those are at times. We've mentioned one of them that nobody roots for outside of their own team, uh, but that's neither here nor there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, like, Juan Uribe, he could sign with, you know, I, I don't know, because um, I don't – like, if Juan Uribe signed with the Cardinals tomorrow, yeah, wouldn't you – and the Cardinals were in the World Series,
1: wouldn't you be I- like – Yeah, I I would want good things to happen to wine, Yuri, Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the point of all that was. Well, I think that you and I have discovered also that, like, the longer you write about a certain thing, the less you like it, like, just... The less you're just a fan of it, and you find other aspects about that thing to enjoy. I think that's certainly the
0: case and i I think that something that you know you're you're big on is you enjoy something your own way there's no there's not a wrong way to enjoy your entertainment product right which is what this is yeah first and foremost it's it's a way for people to enjoy themselves so why wouldn't you have fun with it (laughs) which brings us to uh particularly fun guy and and I always enjoyed uh seen here with the Detroit Tigers on his 92 scorecard but I remember him from the Texas Rangers and the way that the Texas Rangers public address announcer would say his name still sticks with me to this day just off of TV broadcast Pete in that's good and a special Uh shout out to the round circle um on his yeah, on his behind, his derriere.
1: Clearly, <laughs> just got a just got a big old can of dip
0: in there. Sure is as he's uh, <laughs> swatting a. Doesn't look like he's swatting a dinger here. Looks like he's swatting a ground ball to the shortstop.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I also remember him from his days on the Rangers, um, and you know, uh, I remember him from being so prominent uh, in baseball cards and in Beckett. Um, and I believe it was like a piece of fan art or something that I saw in a Beckett uh, that alerted me that his nickname was Inky and yes. some, and and occasionally Inky Dinky Do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I I really enjoyed that, uh, and it also helped me understand how his name was pronounced because I didn't get to hear his name pronounced a lot, and. I, uh, the first uh, cat I ever owned was a black cat that showed up on our back porch. And because of Pete Incavelia, I named that cat Inky. Nice. So my first, my first ever cat was named after Pete Incavelia. And I'm very much a cat person, as anyone who follows me on Twitter will know.
0: I like that. Have you, have you looked at the back of this card?
1: Yes, he is very forlorn. He was quite upset when the Rangers released him in 91. (laughs) It's amazing writing. That's really good. A tremendously strong man, Pete gives the ball a good ride when he connects (laughs) with it. His problem has been not connecting too frequently. Semicolon. He is the Rangers' all-time leader in strikeouts.
0: Which is pretty impressive considering he was only there for five years.
1: Yeah. Uh, new paragraph. Nonetheless, Pete hit over 20 home runs for the fifth straight season in 90. His most satisfying hit probably, this is some serious conjecture, his most satisfying hit probably was a game-winning double he registered off Roger Clemens in 91. Clemens had struck him out in all 11 previous at bats. Yeah. They- yeah, this is very, very good. I had no idea he was from Pebble Beach. Damn. Dang, well, is
0: Pebble Beach was a place you could be from.
1: Yeah, it's very small. So he's he's definitely appears to be from some moneyed uh moneyed family. It's uh, you know, close to Carmel and uh, Pacific Grove and all that.
0: Yeah, I I I've been to Pebble Beach uh to cover owners meetings cuz if there's one thing owners love, it sure is golf.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh-huh. But, golf and, golf and B being white. Yeah. <laughs> Two great tastes that go great together. <laughs> They're like High C and Turkey. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a old oh, S and L sketch.
0: <laughs> now now I'm thinking of Ecto Cooler.
1: Yeah. I gotta pick some of that up. I That's haven't back, seen that. Right? I know, yeah, I haven't I just haven't gone and looked for it yet.
0: I've not not noticed if it is in stores around here. Yeah. I hope it is.
1: Alright, let's get to the main event, I guess.
0: Yeah. The big guy. This is a
1: It's a hell of a card, man. I appreciate this.
0: Yeah, this is this is a good one. It's a, it's a Pinnacle 97 uh the man, the myth, the legend with a real good photograph of him.
1: Such a good photograph, and then it just says Bonds in yeah. like gold foil with a banner. Yeah. So cool, super cool. It's it's but, a
0: really cool card when it's Barry Bonds. Yes. It's a less cool card when it's I I don't know who. Else. Every, so
1: every pinnacle card just had the last name.
0: Yeah, for that set, yeah. it was like but then, Eric also, Burns.
1: Also on the back, there's a really swaggy picture of him. There's a really swaggy picture of Skinny Bonds. Yeah. So I think there's like the one of the last seasons of Skinny Bonds, and he doesn't look very skinny on the front of the card, but that's probably just because his shirt is billowing from swatting at this dinger here. But uh, yeah, but a very swaggy it. picture, very swaggy picture of. Uh, Skinny bonds on the back with the tight pants,
0: and forty-two dingers that year. Yep. So it's uh not like he wasn't hitting
1: them before. No, he was always great, yeah. and then he got more power somehow. Tim, Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> there you go.
0: Tim, that was weird. That at the same time that Home Improvement was big, there was a hockey player named Tim Taylor.
1: Was there?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. He always popped up on SportsCenter and they would make fun of his name.
1: Now, I have just discovered the only thing that's strange about this card. On the back of the card, there's this very strange, like, dot matrix gradient thing above the stats.
0: That was a (laughs) thing that was, like, on all the pinnacle cards for years, and I have no idea what it means.
1: Hmm. Maybe it's a very tiny, like, uh, lenticular sort of issue. Probably not.
0: I think they put it in, in different spots every year.
1: Huh. Maybe it was like the first QR code. I'll try and scan it later. Maybe. <laughs>
0: Amazing foresight from the folks at Pinnacle Brands.
1: <laughs> Someday, there will be <laughs> tiny computers. Everybody but yeah, carry uh,
0: around a computer the size of a baseball card. Yeah, so weird.
1: But yeah, I mean, what, what can you say about the man? He was uh, certainly the greatest baseball player I've ever watched in my lifetime. And uh, it's a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch him for so many seasons on end, go to so many games where he got walked four times.
0: <laughs> that was uh, That was, I don't really remember going to a game where he homered.
1: Yeah, I never. I I don't think I ever did either.
0: Like,
1: but I, I sure saw. I sure saw an awesome Damon Miner home run one time when we went to a baseball game for my birthday. That's cool. Damon Miner
0: was a guy who was on your list of of he guys, was. and I could not find a Damon Miner
1: card in my collection. I, I don't know if he ever had one. I mean, odds are he probably did at some point, but yeah.
0: It it also I, might not have lined up with when I was collecting cards, right? <laughs> and which I still buy a couple packs every year, but not to the same. Like if you name a guy from the '80s, I'm gonna have his baseball card. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Barry Bonds. Well, what's the story on the Demon Miner home run? Let's talk about that. Uh,
1: uh, it was my birthday. We went to a game. Uh, myself, my I believe it was me and my mother, and my sister, and uh i think the giants were were down and uh damon minor hit either a, a tying or go ahead home run that was the first time i saw that might have been the first game i ever went to at pack bell park okay and uh i got to see the water cannons for the first time when someone hits a home run uh it was very cool it was a night game it was a lot of fun and and just uh yeah, Damon Miner was just one of those sort of just big galoot thumpers that I have a soft spot for and always have and always will. And uh got a good name, played first base. Just uh he he checked all the boxes for me.
0: <laughs> Pete Cavillia really is the big galoot. That goes back to him.
1: Yeah. He's he's the galootiest. It's very galooty. Yeah. He's Jeff Galooty. Uh,
0: and then Bonds became a, a bit of a galoot. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm just glad he's happy now. He seems happy, be, right? Yeah, uh, he sure seems to be. You know. He's uh, he was a lot
0: of fun, and you he, he can't take that away. I almost said you can't teach that, but we're not, huh. we're not at that portion of the program uh, <laughs> just, just yet. Um, but you probably can't teach it though. No, I don't think you can can't teach galoot <laughs> so that's uh, yeah that's something Barry Bonds
1: he's a lot of fun just incredible and I'm you know I'm looking at I'm looking at two Barry Bonds figures right now and amid all the just way too many bobbleheads I have on my desk um, but just just so cool and, and you know probably uh, not the best person <laughs> almost certainly not the best person but yeah. uh you know, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to to take away all the good memories that you and I don't give a crap about PEDs, like it, people can take whatever they want. I don't care.
0: Yeah, like, the having his friend do time for him is a little messed up. Yeah, and then there are also some you know, there's there's the uh, domestic incident that everybody just kind of right.
1: Yeah, that's the that's what I was referring brushes to. aside. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so uh, I, I, I don't works against him. Yeah, I don't. I, that's the sort of stuff that I, I don't really forget about. So my my enjoyment of Barry Bonds is is restricted to you know his baseball heroics of which so many, a lot of dingers, Ample. a lot of dingers, a lot of you know super like just some of the greatest all around seasons just ever. Yeah, you know he could he could do it all except throw, uh, Sid Bream out. Oh,
0: yeah. the Achilles heel. Yeah. So there that goes, and uh, <laughs> and we have we have one guy left, and I will say this: that um, it's a wrestler, and this is uh, I think it's the third time. On this this is a very uh, good surprise on this show that we're going to talk wrestling, but yeah. I I should. I should credit you for me being back into wrestling after about a fifteen year hiatus. It was probably about getting close to about two years ago now that I kinda got back into it. Um, as a result of, you know, sort of seeing what you were writing about it, you know, mm-hmm. as as much as anything, and enjoying that and being like, Yeah, it seems like wrestling's pretty fun again. I'll I'll check it out on USA one night and you yeah. know, sure enough there was Dean Ambrose pushing a hot dog cart down the ramp on Monday Night Raw, and then swinging the umbrella at dudes and spraying <laughs> mustard and ketchup on. And that's that's what got you right back into here. it, huh? and that and that right up my alley. So yes. yeah, I'm I'm into wrestling for the silliness. That's good, as much as anything. And
1: yeah, I, th- I think far too many. I think far too few adults are into wrestling for the just the sheer absurdity of it.
0: Nothing makes me happy. Like a couple of weeks ago, they had the new day and Enzo and Cass at the same time doing mm-hmm. their thing, and I was just like, "This is what wrestling needs to be." All right. the time. Don't <laughs> don't yeah. even bother hitting each other. Just talk about having sex with a trombone. Right. <laughs> that was amazing. And and speaking of amazing, yeah, the the Miz, who I have watched <laughs> on television for as long as anybody now, because. Uh, as far as television personalities go, because I watched them all those all those years on the MTV Challenge, which is one of my yep. favorite shows as well. Yes, uh, very good. Maybe the best sports show. On him television. and yeah.
1: him and Coral just on every season of Real Old Road Rules Challenge.
0: Just dominant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, The Miz.
1: Yeah, this card was a nice little surprise. Not just because, like, oh yeah, there there are still wrestling cards, but also you know The Miz. Uh, this is a car. This is from the 2005. This is like a real recent set. This is from like last year's set. Yeah, this of is WWE cards, and it's just so wild to me that like, well, one that they're like wrestling trading cards, yeah. but also like, how bummed out must a, an average kid be <laughs> to like not just get a Miz card, but a Miz card that's just like him from the mid chest up. Like not even making a particularly doing like, anything. Yeah. good face. He's just waiting in the ring for someone else to come down, and the camera's not on him. <laughs>
0: he also he looks way beefier than he ever
1: seems to be. Yeah, he
0: he probably is He's a, a big pretty guy, beefy dude.
1: He's a big guy. Uh, also, I like on the back of the car, which is like the blandest shit I've ever seen. Uh, just like as far as, far as like design is that they take care to explain that his moneymaker is his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, in case you weren't aware, it was still in pristine condition. Mm-hmm. The Miz lost the Intercontinental title to Dolph Ziggler soon after claiming it. <laughs> and I've, I've enjoyed what The Miz has been doing lately, too, where he's not even... Oh the yeah. Not even on TV. He's just, like, doing Facebook Live updates that they then show on Monday Night Raw. Right. <laughs> he's just yelling at people on the set of a movie. Yeah. And he's amazing at it.
1: Yeah, he's great at everything he does. Like, he's he's so good in every role that he's ever put in. And him and Maurice together now are just fantastic. Such a good, such a wonderful act. And uh, just, you know one of the most un- underrated dudes and, and uncelebrated dudes but you know just so good at his job that he's going to have his job forever like as long as he wants to do this job he's he's got it and and what makes The Miz even better or worse depending on your point of view is that he is always he, he and John Cena are, are constantly The Miz and John Cena like 24-7 they are the, the the person that they portray themselves as on television, and they are also two of the guys, two of the handful of guys in the company that will do anything and everything that WWE asks them to do, mm-hmm. and will like volunteer, like you know, like we've got a reading thing, I'll do it, you know, like we've got a red carpet thing, send me, you know, we got people, we got to have someone talk to the media, yeah, that's me, I got that, like they are. Just constantly working, and yeah, uh, Miz is Miz has no need to ever fear about getting cut. I don't believe uh, he's just he's so good and he's so up for anything they want him to do that he's got it. He's got it on lock. He's a very talented individual.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's he's probably not the egomaniac that he portrays all <laughs> the time. But I do wonder about some of these guys, like how close their characters are to. Reality, and and this is something that comes up, I think, every time Zack Ryder is on, on the TV screen, like, my <laughs> wife and I have the conversation, like, is he really that much of a bro, or is he <laughs> kind of playing it up?
1: Well, I will tell you, the person who is that much of a bro is Mojo Raleigh. Like, that is absolutely him, and the only difference is that, like, there's a point where he leaves your television screen. Like, that's... <laughs> That's the benefit of Mojo Rawley on television. Like, if you follow his Snapchat, if you know anything about him, if you know the people that he knows, he is like that all the time, all day, every day. And I, I got to interview Rob Gronkowski, and I asked him about Mojo, and Gron- Rob Gronkowski said like, there are there are many times when Mojo Rawley is too much for Rob Gronkowski that like, he has what? to get away, <laughs> has to just get away and lay down somewhere. <laughs>
0: Rob Gronkowski, a man who has a cruise devoted to just being a bro, yeah, the same guy, and Motorola is too much for him. Yes, wow, <laughs> that's unfathomable. <laughs> Yet here we are. So, yeah, so that's uh, that is the full stack of, of cards and. This has been an, an absolute pleasure and a delight. So, Bill, I say uh, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad that we were finally able to to make this happen.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for sending me these awesome cards. And, yeah. and the other thing that you sent me, which was a, a delight to receive as well.
0: Yeah. Um, you are one of the, is it five? Five. Yeah, cause five members, the five founding charter members of the Loyal Order of Cork Dorks. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, a thing that comes into play uh, every October. And uh, you and J.R. Lynn, the the previous guest on this show, both received corks that I collected from the floor of the city field visitors locker room last October when the Royals won the World Series. And and you've gotten... I've used the cork dork's letterhead twice, or actually... (laughs) Yeah, twice. Two separate mailings, but to four, four corks have been mailed. You've gotten two of them. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's something.
1: I'm very very happy about all of it, and if I, I'm ever in a position to return the favor, I've got to. All
0: right. Thank, thank you very much, and, and I appreciate that as much as I appreciate you having been on this show, which is a lot. <laughs> it's so much fun to do, and uh, I recommend that you guys all follow bill on the twitter machine at sundown motel and anywhere else that they can uh, the people can find you
1: uh just check out com slash sports uh with spandex.com uh that's where you will find uh my myself and uh and all of our wonderful writers uh including the esteemed brandon stroud who is one of the most uh uh, deservedly acclaimed wrestling writers on the entire internet and uh yeah that's uh if you don't if you don't want to just read about wrestling all the time uh follow me on twitter at send a motel and uh check out a Brooks dot com all
0: right so do all those things and I will also ask that you please head on over to the iTunes machine and uh subscribe certainly and uh rate and review you can you know leave leave some stars, but if you would be so kind as to post a review uh, that will help more people follow this show, which is uh, just so much fun to do on on a weekly basis, and I enjoy it so much. And my thanks to all of you for listening. My thanks to Bill Hanstock, who has been as excellent a guest as I had hoped and expected that he would be. So, Bill, thank you very much once again. Hey, thank you. And we'll see you next time.